0: Welcome back to just one question. This is the first episode we're doing in 2022. So I'm very excited uh, about that to have made it to 2022. Um, not so excited that I'm still in COVID land, but unbelievably excited to have as my first guest 2022, Christy Delafield, who is the managing director of communications at Mercy Corps. And if you haven't heard of Mercy Corps, it's one of those really important organizations that when you hear about something terrible going on somewhere in the world, an earthquake, um, a fire uh, on a massive scale, uh, starvation, uh, problems caused by war and famine and this kind of thing, Mercy Corps is probably there helping people already, even before you've heard about the problem. Um, so. Um, Welcome, Christy. Uh, tell us how you're doing.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Um, you know, personally, I feel I'm doing pretty well. I'm as well as can be expected, right? Like I'm feeling good and and healthy and um, grateful for that. And at the same time, I'm just I'm feeling a lot of worry for the people around me. You know, just this current surge. We're going into year three of this, mm. um, and what I hope we'll talk about today a little bit just the the global inequities of that and the fact that continent um, of Africa like really struggling to get vaccinated people mm-hmm. around the world just not having the same access um, to the treatments and, and resources that we have in the US so just yeah it's, well, it's a mixed bag of emotions.
0: Yeah, thank you. Well, let's just jump in right there because you raised the topic. That uh, we want to talk about. You're you're in what we call cause-based communications, and from my perspective, as somebody who works with professional speakers and and uh, thought leaders, it's a fascinating world because the the cause is always just and and urgent and and often on a global scale, and yet uh, we worry about uh, compassion fatigue. Um, as we were saying earlier, before we started the recording. Uh, Eighty percent, I think you said, of uh, of problems in the world for humanity were caused twenty or thirty years ago by natural disasters. Now it's flipped, and eighty percent are caused by violent conflict, and that that's always more problematic, isn't it? So to get people uh, engaged and feeling uh, empathy for that, and so um, it feels like the stakes keep getting raised, um, and the issues keep getting bigger. And yet, how do you tell that story? Um, How do you engage people in the the uh, story that you want to tell about uh, humanity and, and their needs, its needs around the world?
1: It's it is a challenge. I think that when we there's there are two pieces to this this empathy challenge when you compare natural disasters versus violent conflict. Um, one is just the the timing and the and the news awareness of a rapid onset disaster like a hurricane, like an earthquake. Um, it, you get a little bit of that kind of 24 hour news cycle focused on the disaster, and it, it raises awareness in a significant way. So you you know you talk about Mercy Corps already being in places. Um, We have a team in Haiti and before the earthquake, they were already on the ground. And even in the hours after the earthquake started going around in the communities close to the epicenter of the earthquake because they were already there and were able to canvas homeowners and find out how things were going. Um, And we saw a lot of people open their hearts and, and give generously in that moment. And that in my world, that's a that's a win, that's the outcome that we're looking for from our communications. We wanna bear witness and we wanna share information and we wanna get people to do, think and feel um, and take action to support the people who are suffering as a result of what they're seeing and what they're hearing from us. Um, it really is a different scenario when you're talking about violent conflict because one, the conflict might be a little bit more protracted Um, you might not get that kind of news moment in the same way that helps kind of act as a a flashlight to the or light bulb to the situation and draw attention, Mm -hmm. Um, but you also, you kind of, you don't have as much access, it's more difficult to tell people what's happening, but there is just a human kind of empathy gap there when it comes to people who are in need as a result of violent conflict. It's almost um, it's almost just perversely, we don't want to believe that that could happen. We mm-hmm. don't want to believe that an innocent person could get caught up in that. Mm. Um, and where with a storm, it's really obvious that nobody's to blame. There there's a lot of struggle that people have in kind of getting their arms around you know, the conflict in Yemen, the conflict in Syria. Um, and we just have seen that they're that they're isn't as much attention it's harder to tell that story and it's harder to get people to listen to it Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we were talking earlier about how you take these very complex issues uh, take the example of haiti which you raised Um, there have been issues there for a long time there's issues of uh, ongoing health uh, crises as well as the the uh, earthquakes and the hurricanes and all the other things that have gone wrong there there has been uh, political instability and of course there's uh, endemic corruption and on and on and on the issues are quite complex and there is no simple solution as as anybody who's tried to help in Haiti knows how do you how do you engage people in that in communicating those stories uh, without either overwhelming them um, or not telling them enough? Uh, what where's the where's the storyline in that? How do you fashion that narrative?
1: It I think it's the best communications challenge there is. It <laughs> is, but um, <laughs> I like a tough problem, right? And I and i like a problem where the stakes are high because we can really make a difference which i think it's for me it's in my dna i think it's in a lot of people's dna they want to they want to make a difference and i think that motivation is not not lacking because folks don't want to help you know you when you see something when you learn about what's happening um sometimes we turn away from things that are negative and that can be a struggle to get people to to plug in and pay attention. But I don't believe that the problem is someone watching TV or listening to this interview saying like, oh, I don't, I don't care about Haiti. Mm -hmm. I think the problem is that people don't always know or have faith that what they're doing to help is actually going to make a difference. And for me in this cause-based communication and trying to to deliver the message of a purpose-driven organization, it's the challenge isn't just about getting attention and keeping attention, um, and it isn't just about distilling the story down to a way that you know kind of fits the amount of time of a, a person's attention span. Mm-hmm. It's also about kind of helping them see a path to to victory, a path to success, mm. um, and whether that is helping them understand that. Um, the the gift that they make um, to Mercy Corps to support our work in Haiti um, is going to not just go to meeting immediate needs, but also going to help farmers learn how to grow more drought resistant crops and and the value that that has in the long term, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, or whether that is persuading and helping someone understand um, kind of an innovative way that we're supporting refugees um, who are fleeing as a result of violent conflict. It it kind of doesn't matter. People want to see the outcome, and they want to believe and have faith that that outcome is possible. And and to me, that though, you have to have those two things mm. if you're going to inspire someone to actually take action.
0: Mm. Yeah, incredible. The the uh, you put your finger on the uh, a really important issue there, which is we are we are storytelling and and when we tell people stories about the issues that we're facing or the, or the communications challenge that we're trying to convey, um, we have to see the arc of the narrative or the the listener has to see the arc of the narrative in order to make sense of it. And, and so you want to have a feeling that it's going to come out at some point. Right. And that's, that's part of what you're saying is that unless I can see that narrative, then what does my little, 25 cents due how how can i possibly help my my contribution seems so small in that context um, so um the, that's a challenge for um, anybody who has the attention of the of the world for a short period of time how do you give a hint and make them want more and show them a piece of an overall narrative that then draws them in right but a, a particular issue uh in the case of mercy Corps and and uh NGO work around the world in general. So um, yeah, we could talk about this uh, for hours. But uh, you said, something. there was one other point I want to raise, you said something really interesting. uh, Before again, we pressed record, uh, which is um, you, you said where you need to know where people are in their learning journey about this. And that fascinated me because everybody's at a different point in their learning journey about any particular issue or any particular uh question of thought leadership so how do you know where to start and where to stop if you're for example telling the story of, of uh, haiti or or syria as you mentioned or some other hot spot in the world how, how do you pick that up sort of in mid story
1: i think that we so, subject matter experts, I think, really struggle with this. The more deeply that you know your subject, the more difficult it is to basically edit, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> because what you're doing is you're you're really feeling limited. You have so much expertise. You've spent your life studying whatever the topic is, um, whether it's humanitarian aid or whether it's widgets. Um, the person that is you know the person you're working with nick or the person i'm working with they have something to say for a reason they want to get this this word out about something that matters to them and it's hard to distill and condense it down to something smaller mm-hmm. because you feel like you're leaving out important things so i find that thinking about it in these sort of episodes this learning journey sort of helps with that. You recognize, all right, I'm not teaching the whole course. I'm not gonna give you the whole PhD. I'm never gonna be able to give you the the sum of my experience um, working in whatever field it is that I'm an expert in. So I think you need to take that as as freedom, as permission to choose the one or two things that I'm gonna teach you today. What is the one piece that's going to be exciting today? That's going to be interesting today. Um, And you, you can work on this from an audience perspective. If you're going to be giving a speech, you have a sense of who that audience is a little bit, who's going to be there. Um, If you're giving, you know, you're on a panel at a think tank or you're, um, you've got a podcast like this, um, you know, who, who is that audience and what do they need? Because ultimately, people have a lot of choice of content. So when you're thinking through what's the sum total of what I have to teach you, you also need to layer that with a Venn diagram of what does the audience want to learn. And that's how you know that they're going to they're going to walk away with it, they're going to hang on to it. Because it's it's not about me. It's it's and that's also a little bit freeing, right? Okay, I want I want this to be of use to the person. So I'll give you an example of um, a particularly complex uh, piece of work that, that Mercy Corps has been involved in. Mm. Um, for about two decades now, the humanitarian sector has shifted from what you might imagine you do in cases of emergency um, to a new way of delivering aid. Mm. Um, historically, you know, or what people might imagine, um, aid agencies might've brought in goods uh, mm-hmm. blankets uh diapers sanitizing supplies like soap and water and jerry cans we still do that um there but we kind of need to make sure that that's what's actually needed mm. um and so what the experts have told me is um number one not everybody needs the same things um, if people have fled war and conflict they've brought different things with them. Uh, you know, everybody packed up a different collection of things from that they could grab from their house to to leave. Some people were able to to bring a lot some people there were bombs falling around them, and they had to run right away, and they weren't able to mm. bring anything. So aid isn't sort of one size fits all, mm. and this is already a long and complicated way of explaining this <laughs> shift. but it has been difficult to tell the story because what we're doing now is we're giving people cash. Mm. And when we do that, we're not just giving them the help that they desperately need in that moment, but we are acknowledging that they are the person who is best suited to decide what they need. And we are recognizing that their needs aren't the same as their neighbors and that they should have the dignity to choose what it is that they need. Mm. And when I tell you all of this, it, I mean, I think it logically makes sense,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I want to kind of give you a, a story, an example. And so when I when I the way I would structure this in, in speaking to people is I you know, would talk about cash assistance and sort of say, this is unexpected. You might not be familiar with this. Um, we maybe talk about data points, about the, the impact that it has for the economy. For some audiences, all of that is really important. Um, but for most audiences and for myself, the thing that I find most moving is the personal lived experience of uh, a Syrian refugee mom who um, Mercy Corps helped. And then we you know went back and asked her, we gave you this cash, we just want to check see you know how you were able to spend it did it work for you what were the prices of things etc it's really important to check in afterwards we do you know we do an, a, a good bit of monitoring and evaluation this mom she you know she sat down she like answered the questionnaire yes i have these two kids no i don't have any other source of income no i fled by myself you know i don't know where my partner is Um. Mm here's what I spent the money on. I bought blankets. I paid some school fees. I you know, got food for my children. And then there's a pause. And she looks at the interviewer and says, well, I, I set aside a little bit of that money. And one afternoon I took my kids out like we used to and just went on a walk in the sun and I bought them an ice cream cone. And it's the first time that I've been able to feel like their mom again since we fled. And I think that you can see that there's a dip that's this it's the classic show Don't Tell. We can talk about the data points behind the value of cash assistance. Uh, and I have experts that I can put forward to speak to you about that. But but without that human story, And I think that pretty much anywhere you are in your learning journey about this, you're going to be able to connect with that and kind of find that you want to know more. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And that, that to me is the other piece of it. We have to, we have to like make our peace with the fact that we have a limited amount of time. You're about to tell me that our time is done. (laughs) This is all that, this is all that we had. And I hope that, you know, by choosing that, these little pieces that somebody in the audience picks it up, listens, takes it in. It's just like, Oh, I want to learn more about that. Hmm.
0: Beautiful. Um, yes, that is all the time we have. You are absolutely right. <laughs> um, I wish I could go on forever, but I've already asked you way more than just one question. So thank you very much uh, for those thoughtful answers. And I've learned something um, that I didn't know I needed to learn. So I deeply appreciate your sharing your time and your expertise and uh, good luck with Mercy Corps.
1: Thank you.